right, I'm fucking zooted off some, like a large iced coffee and some of this medicinal pen. Excellent. Anyway, um, Sam, thanks for stopping by. At Thucydide, or at Thucydide, please, sorry. And then, uh, uh, the only real leftist is here as well. Pleasure to be here. Teach a lib something. Take my head off my pen right now. And, um, (laughs) I wanted to do this last night, like a, like a live reaction, but Sam was on Missions Impossible last night. Yeah. And I'm gonna, we're gonna get an update on that right now. You told me you woke up hungover, so it sounds like it was pretty successful. Uh, yeah. No, had a nice time. Um, nothing, nothing too, uh, crazy or exciting, but, uh, got to celebrate the, the burning victory in Nevada. Have some, have some drinks and, and, uh, and, uh, of course, chased in simply fashion. Fuck yes. We love to see so, it. We do. We do. We love to see it. Yeah. And, and you know, go ahead. Just, just, uh, being an ally to women out there. Always, always respecting women. That's what I do. I respect as many women as possible. That's right, as you should. But yeah, uh, Bernie fucking won. Bernie won. At 1130, it was 46% to Biden's 19%. Yes. Probably the, probably the most, like the, the best thing that's happened this entire cycle is seeing Joe Biden absolutely fall to pieces. It's been incredibly satisfying. Um, because I had kind of resigned myself to it for a while. That, like, we were just going to have to watch two syphilitic, demented, old uh, sex creeps argue with each other incoherently all during election. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's nice to have your very low expectations exceeded. Yeah, right. For once. Yeah, I mean, this was, this was everybody's thought. Is that before he even entered the race, it was always like, well, when Biden in, enters, it's over. Yeah. Um, because, you know, why would you, why would you expect good things at this point? Yeah. Right? Why would you, like, well, I'm uh, just, why would you just, try to be happy? <laughs> better so, things aren't possible. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, as much as we ridicule people for saying that, uh, it's also, unfortunately, very often true. That's right. And, you know, I mean, I used to work in politics. I, my first job, was working for Obama in 2008. Hell yeah. I completely bought in. I mean, I was, you know, 18 or whatever, but... Yeah, right. He was uh, the guy, man. Oh, yeah. I was totally convinced he was going to be the next FDR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. During, his, during his campaign, everybody was all in. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, and it also... That was another thing where it's been like... <sighs> I've really withheld from putting... Um, personal investment of time or uh, money or just emotion into the Bernie yeah. campaign because right. I'm so uh, black you say black-pilled? Yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah. right. And by black-pilled, I just mean I don't take the steps to responsibly manage my mental illness, but it's... Sad, but <laughs> of course, pilled. of course. Right. You and me both, brother. <laughs> I'm yeah. black-pilled, which is me, which just means I self-medicate. Um, my right. means I'm not taking the correct pills. Right. That's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm black-pilled instead of blue-pilled. Right. Yeah. Don't know even where I found this black one, but... 
Oh, it's, uh, makes me feel great. It's getting me some cloud on Twitter, so I'm going to keep taking it. Yeah, exactly. that actually is my favorite form of self-medication, is negative cloud? on the internet. Yeah. Um, then I have to ask, recently, didn't you hold a, like, a pseudo-rally that every dollar people donated is a minute you yeah. wouldn't be on Twitter? Yeah, that's still, that's going until 6 p.m. tonight. Yeah, today. And I will so... do the final tally. Yeah. And then I will log off for... Uh, you know, once I add it all up. Yeah. Oh, this... a lot... I haven't been keeping a running tally because it's a real pain in the ass. To... Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'm going to have to do like a real link uh, where yeah, like they tally I... that show for you on Act Blue. Yeah. But... And on Act Blue, yeah. Yeah. But we, uh... yeah, we, um, this is perfect because now you can post about this and then log the fuck off. Yeah, exactly. And people will listen. I think, um, I think we're just rough numbers. I think we're probably at about three and a half or four grand. Currently. Wow. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Okay. I'm going to have to log off for like four days. <laughs> I, yeah, I told myself that after Nevada, I would log off until South Carolina. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, That's not funny. happening. Don't log That's off for free. Certainly. If you're going to log off, I never log off. To Bernie. I'm actually right, commenting right. on Twitter right now. I, uh, yeah. yeah, so fuck, uh, we say fuck Joe Biden here. We also say fuck the culinary union. Who Bernie yeah. absolutely crushed with the actual members of the right. union. I, I I don't understand that at all. Like well, that's another thing. I used to work they, in labor. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just you know like I I worked at the AFL CIO back in my lib days, right? Yeah. And um, you know everyone, even if they're liberal, they all understand that. Health having guaranteed healthcare independent of your employment makes it easier for workers to organize, right? Because that's just one less threat hanging over their head, right? Denying them their ability to literally survive if they lose really, their job. I so really think you're giving them too much credit. Well, I mean, I, I, I well, he means unions in general, though. Yeah, like but um, the the um the Nevada Culinary Union exists pretty much only as a healthcare provider. Yeah, exactly. And the way I understand it is that if they support Medicare for all, they're just supporting them no longer having a reason to exist. Right, because they they have they have um, to my knowledge, and you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but they haven't been fantastic at winning um, higher wages or a lot of other protections for their yeah the, for their yeah. workers. No, yeah, you're exactly right. The only reason people are satisfied is because of healthcare, which is great, obviously. That's what I want for everybody. You know, I wish, my, I, I wish my fucking union provided me health care. And I, I, I'm in the uh, ask me branch here. So I, I'm in I'm in one of the biggest labor unions in the country. Yeah. And the, and because of the way, you know, labor works now, it's just impossible for them to do much of anything. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that really, you know, I've been when I when I talk with people who are aligned with on the issues, but still ultimately concerned about, you know, electability or he's too divisive or whatever. Right. Um, and they're in the vote blue no matter who camp or mentality. My experience in the labor movement, specifically, I worked um, in elections, right? That's how I. Oh, wow, up. yeah, right. Yeah, like uh, my when I worked at the AFL CIO. In D.C., it was 2010. It was the 2010 cycle. So it was brutal, right? It was just a complete bloodbath. We got destroyed. We lost. I mean, yeah, know, right. Congress was a disaster. State ledge was even worse. 
governorships. It was just terrible across the board. Right. And, um, one lesson of, of that whole experience, not just that one bad cycle though, is that because they are a captive audience and they can't go support Republicans, Democrats take them for granted. We know oh, this. Yeah. We oh, just yeah. saw Virginia. Democrats take, you know, the whole apparatus of state government. Do they undo right to work? No. They're like, right. who cares? Fuck off. Republicans make it the first thing they do because, again, like this is, this is the double weakness of labor being a captive audience for Democrats and a, uh, a source of money and organization is Republicans have a huge political incentive to attack unions the instant they get power as a way to politically weaken uh, their opponents, Democrats. Yes, it's, right? yeah, and it's In been, been happening for so long that at this yeah. point, and, and, you know, liberals have allowed it to happen to such a degree that now it's just they're now Republicans are chipping away at what, you know, the fucking rotten husk of labor. Yeah. And it's still, you know, uh, libs are still letting it happen. And well, and yeah, because in addition to ideological and organizational incentives for the GOP to attack labor, the Democrats know labor can't go anywhere else. So they right. don't feel particularly pressured to actually, um, you know, support labor institutionally, which is short sighted and stupid. Right. But, um, you know, it's just not at the top of their their priority. They'd rather go after their more marginal sources of funding and organization, which is like the business community, which could play and does play both sides. Right. So, but so that's where vote blue, no matter who gets it, right. Like that, the unions have been it's, doing that for decades now. Yeah, and what they've been is constantly yeah. stabbed in the back. Yeah, they've no been fucking benefits handcuffed to e each other. It's kind of like a, a block. It's like the labor block now instead of you know. In individual unions having things that matter to the union members, right? But you know that 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 leads me to the point about the uh, about all the the strip caucuses that came in, and Karnacki, who I'm glad uh, MSNBC let out of his little shed to come poke at numbers again on the board. Karnacki's a cool dude. He's a nice <laughs> guy. guy? Uh, he's the guy on MSNBC who does the board. I literally the never watched them. Really? No. Well you're, do well, you're doing good, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But Karnacki, bless his heart, you know, seems to actually care for the numbers. And, you know, seems to be a nice guy, at least on Twitter. But um, it's like uh, he, he was excitedly reporting about the uh, Bellagio caucus site that, that mm -hmm. was like one of the first that the spotters gave them. And, um, uh, I mean, a everybody else on on MSNBC kind of saw the writing on the wall at that point, because in 2016, uh, Karnacki brought it up and he got absolutely, Bernie got absolutely crushed in every strip caucus site. Right. And, and to, to see him like way overperforming, these were, these were caucus sites in like the, the mid to high forties that went for Bernie. Right. He crushed in the yeah. strip. And, um, yeah, that, that, and at basically at 4.30, I wrote, they had, they had, MSNBC had kind of given up already because they showed Bernie's entire El Paso rally that he was oh, doing. Yeah. This was like before his victory speech. He just yeah, had a rally. Just a rally in El Paso. Yeah. And everything he mentioned, uh, he mentioned Green New Deal jobs being union jobs. And he mentioned unions like at least a dozen times. 
at at this rally. So you know, it's never been I a just doubt. Got a text asking me to donate for Bernie. Don't worry, Bernie. You're, you're about to get some uh, some stacks. From yeah. Remember how excited everyone was at the debates when Bernie said that uh, capital comes from labor. Yeah, that was oh, that was the the moment. Honestly, that was the moment of the debate. That's probably the most left-wing opinion I've ever heard in that, a presidential yeah. debate in my oh, life. Without a doubt. And then, and then the fucking audience was, you know, cheering. I just donated. I just did my 27. <laughs> feels, on, feels too on brand to not do at the moment. Are, so. are you adding that to your queue? No, no, no. My donations don't count uh, towards the logging off. I'm already... Oh, I'm see. already... Listen, I'm already giving of myself once. Right. Right. <laughs> Does it feel a little hurtful how much people are donating? Um, so yeah, it's a real conflict for me because on the one time I love, uh, I love posting so much, right? Right. And I love clout. And so I feel like, wow, people are, are doing this because of my influence. What could be more narcissistic, uh, better narcissistic supply, right? right? That's that's perfect. Right. And yet at the same time, that very narcissistic supply will deny me further narcissistic supply in the coming days. It's a real, it's a, I don't know, I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long few days. (laughs) I, I can't, I can't remember when I became terminally online. I, um, what was it that did it? It was, it was this election cycle. Oh, and, um, yeah, yeah, before, before this election, I, I really am. But, uh, before this election cycle, I was just kind of, you know, retweeting, liking, you know, just the, the the normie shit. Right. And I can't remember what it was that dragged me in, but the uh, the the bloodlust you get in your eyes when you're just screaming at somebody on Twitter <laughs> is uh, is unmatched. Yeah, that's great. By I any, only any opiate that I've tried. I only started using Twitter around like late December of last year, mm-hmm. but I think I've been terminally online since easily, like, 2016. Really? Yeah. I've yeah. I've been termi- terminally online since I was, like, I don't know, 13, right? Like, a message uh, yeah. boards in the days before Twitter. Well, yeah. I, I yeah, wasn't so... a something awful guy, but, like, close enough. Right. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, came up on 4chan. That was uh, okay, yeah. so, all throughout know. high school. I've been online for a long time. But I guess by terminally online, I mean so obsessed with Twitter that it's affecting my personal relationships. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's been a few years for me. For I sure. have my that's girl in one arm, Twitter in the other. That's right. Yeah. That's, right. that's not a joke. No. Yeah, it's not a joke. That's um. I mean, really, that's the that's the dream, right? Just to find that's someone as brain damaged as you. It is. From. Yeah. Yeah. My uh. My wife. Uh. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm one my of my wife, wife guys. <laughs> but uh. She um. I was really she, half-hearted on my part. Sorry. She, <laughs> she pretended to be interested at first, and then she just has stopped engaging when I tell her things about Twitter. Because <laughs> every time I show her a post, I have to explain like, you know, fifteen minutes of backstory on it. Yeah. Right. Why that post fucking matters. So who cares? Oh yeah, I had tried to explain. So you know, my mom. Um, uh, I, I showed her the the tweet. Uh, I made about logging off in exchange for donations to Bernie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and she retweeted it. She did retweet it. And yeah. um, she thought it was hysterical. But 
uh, you know, people were making memes and stuff, and I was like, oh, so here's the someone made a virgin Sam Pritchard, Chad, Sam Pritchard's mom. And it was like, <laughs> you know, and I tried to explain it to her, and I'm drunk, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. God, this is just, this right. is just impossible. And that's every interaction you try to have with a normal person. Yeah, uh, whose brain has been poisoned. Yeah, there's just so much context you have to explain, and all of it is just incredibly embarrassing when you... Oh, really, it's so you know, bad. Like, really? Like, um, when you try to lay it out, it's just... I mean, I know I'm not saying anything people haven't already said before, but it, right. it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's nice I It's hate, nice to find someone where you can just... Yeah. I hate talking just about my hobbies. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I like... People ask me what hobbies are. Oh, you know, I like to read... I don't, um, yeah, play piano, play with my dog, yeah, you know. I, I own a computer. <laughs> when I'm on my PC 24-7. <laughs> right, right. My, my dog is constantly having to pester me to play with him. Right. But my priorities <laughs> are When I have a VR headset and I haven't been outside yeah. in weeks. Yeah, I love tennis. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I enjoy electronics. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's a, it's, it's a good thing I found rock climbing, because it's at least, like, one thing that gets me out of cell service, like, occasionally. Right. Right. You can't post from up on the wall. Although, I mean, well, I have to figure out a way to do that, actually. I actually went to a rock climbing gym one time, and it was back when smartphones were, like, just becoming new. So the lady at the front desk was like, yeah, all these people are coming in, and they're typing in their back pocket. And that was just hilarious to me. Yeah. Really? I'll never yeah. Huh. I, yeah, I don't know. I... I guess if you're roped in, yeah. If you're if you're cli- if you're top roping or whatever, you could just yeah. It wasn't it wasn't free climbing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I, you can I'm do whatever the fuck you want. The gym. Yeah, that's the that's the um, objectively best way to climb rocks. With ropes attached, yeah. No, no, as no, like if if you're bouldering in a gym. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. actual mountains. Oh no, I love the I love the actual mountains. The actual mountains. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm only saying this outside. Is, yeah, right, who is, because doing that would mean I'm not inside. Well, yeah, but, that's uh, the drawback. I've also never climbed an actual, you know, it an is, actual rock in my life. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, but climbing on real rock is definitely more, more exciting, more focusing, um, more sort of therapeutic. After a day I, of that, I think I have a, like, a sense of what, a person without serious mental illness lives their life as. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can get that for a couple of hours once every few weeks at the max, but it seems pretty cool. I wouldn't say it was rock climbing, but when I lived abroad, uh, my group and I, we traversed mountains very frequently. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the best physical and mental shape I've ever been in in my life. Yeah, like, um, what, like the Alps or something? Yeah, it was, it was in Israel. Oh, okay. So, so it was yeah. just all over the country. Loving yeah. that. What ranges are are in there? It's not the Atlas. That's in North it's like the uh oh fuck. I don't know. I don't. Know. There are mountains in Israel. There it's are a lot of mountains. He was in he Israel. was on them. Yeah. I climbed up Masada all three ways. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, at the top, I saw this uh, this priest who was wearing all black, and it was like ninety degrees. Yeah. That's, nice. Uh, that's, Nothing that's, in my life commands that kind of commitment from me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, exactly. I cannot identify with that, but good for that guy. Maybe my cell phone. I guess. I, I, yeah, I mean, I fuck. I, I live in Florida, so I'm just 
constantly miserable. <laughs> if I had to wear all black in 90 degree heat in order to post, I probably would. Yeah, but that would be... You can adapt. I look best in black, day. too, so... Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. Slimming. So, did y'all... Uh, have, have you seen the shit that Carville said yesterday? Uh, in in his one segment that they dragged him out? He, uh... He immediately came on and started talking the uh, electability shit. Of course. Which, you know, that's kind of par for the course. But um, then he said this shit about how if you expect to win a general election by expanding the electorate, that's as stupid as denying climate change. That was that's pretty much exactly what he said. Sure, okay. And, uh, you know, he, he's... I can't even... I don't remember seeing him on cable news in a, in a relevant time. And I started really watching news after 9-11. Yeah. What, does he, so what I, does he mean by that, expanding the electorate? Like, I understand, obviously, well, what those yeah. terms mean. But. Yeah, so he's, he's talking about, like, if, if you think getting people who haven't voted for to vote is going to win a general election. But isn't that how Obama won? Yes, it is how Obama won. <laughs> and what, it's, what's Bernie, it's what Bernie's doing now. And um, he, he also said if you... If, if you if you have policies, he didn't say specifically catered to minorities, but he, he, he eventually said that he felt like Bernie was ignoring the majority, which sounded right. we weird that to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it sounded like he was doing white genocide shit yeah. on MSNBC. I don't, I don't know what hey, he meant. Hey, coronavirus, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. We'll see. It just hit Italy. Maybe it'll... Uh, Corona Chan, good luck. There was another pundit who went on Twitter yesterday. I forget who it was, but he basically said that everybody who who's, he talks to on a day to day basis thinks it's impossible for Bernie to win. And I don't know how anyone can see that after the victory he's had so far. I also just don't see how you can think that after 2016, because all of these people got it wrong. I got it because wrong. they they make yeah. the argument, oh well, now he has way less support. Which like, of course he does. Now there are five people in the race. Right. Well, no, but I mean, 2016 in terms of Trump, like, it, you know, all of these people who are pronouncing so confidently on what the outcome will necessarily. Oh yeah. Be. yeah. You know, like Jamel Bowie, um, who I like. He and he's a Bernie guy, but yeah. like the rest of us. He thought, of course, Hillary's going to win. There's no way Trump can win in this. There's no way. Election. I mean, even Trump supporters didn't expect Trump no. to win. No, Trump himself didn't expect. Him no, to win. yeah, I, yeah, like, I believe it. So you know, and Jamel just the other day tweeted like, "Hey, um, a, a, I think a normal lesson to draw from the 2016 experience would be humility, and just be like, instead of wasting time arguing about who's going to be the most electable." And what their path to a winning coalition is, which is so unknowable. Um, I mean, you can, there's some evidence you can look at, but at the end of the day, it's a pretty poor guide when even the very best evidence yeah. you have, which is like polling averages right before the election, are, right. you know, can still be misleading. Yeah. Um, and they were. So, like, just how about instead of worrying about all that stuff that you're not good at predicting, uh, just vote for like, your values and your yeah. principles and what's right. Um, that's, that's exactly what uh, de Blasio got on Pete's ass about. Right. Did y'all see those tweets? 
I didn't. I did. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was fantastic. Those were pretty good homes. Yeah, honestly, it's yeah. If, I mean, yeah. You got to give credit exactly where credit is due on the junk. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he he got his ass for sure. I but think yeah. a big problem with just voting in your interest though is that a lot of people don't want to waste their vote. Which in this country, you if you have real values, you kind of have to sometimes. Yeah. Well, but I guess that's what I'm saying is you know um, certainly at least in a primary. Uh, you just you don't know who's going to be the the most electable candidate. Instead of trying to you know play the pundit game and predict the future, just be like, well, you know, here's the person who aligns with what I believe, what I care about, and just like right. keep it simple. And yeah. um, you know, there's a few pundits who've had the integrity to say that, um, and then of course there's the James Carvilles who have no integrity. No, he's a fucking ghoul. But, uh, I mean, you know, also just like anybody who could be married to... You have to be a little ghoulish to be on TV. Yeah, and it's like lifelong Democrat operative married to a lifelong Republican operative. Like, it's clearly just it, a game to those people. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, like, if, if that hasn't... Seriously? Soul... Yeah, his wife... Oh, my uh, God. Remind me, what's, what's his wife's name? Oh, fuck, I'm doing, I'm doing misogyny. I don't, uh, I don't remember... Wow, Sam knows the husband's name, but not the wife's? Yeah, that's so... Yikes. Um, Surprise. When will Bernie disavow his misogynist like supporters? Madeline or something? Uh, James Carville's wife. Here that's seriously... It's almost Mary disgusting. Okay. I don't I see how you could live with someone who has such opposite values as you. Yeah, like, he works for Clinton and she works for H.W. and W. I really don't think there's, like, a yeah. legitimate middle ground between the Republican and the Democratic Party within the last, like, 40 years. Right. Like, so, so clear. Yeah. So, yeah. So, clearly, and like, this is just, those are people for whom politics is a job and it's a game. And, it's a reality show. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you could, if you can set it aside when you come home, it's because it doesn't affect you. Um, right. And, and it doesn't affect even people you care about. Like, <laughs> like Yeah, they're rich and white, you. so it doesn't. Right. Right. Um... Yeah, uh, people you care about, and you're just a sociopath, and like if it's really know, good if they're white. I don't know what they look like. That was a guess. No, they are. Um, you're gonna, yeah, you always know, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious. But like, either way, exactly, class yeah. class interests do sort of supersede, you know, yeah, racial usually, interests usually. Well, uh, much more for rich people than for poor people. Well, yeah, that's what I mean for rich people. <laughs> like, uh, Claire McCaskill was on the desk at MSNBC like the entire day yesterday, and at at yeah at the end of the Carville segment, she told him to call Steyer and get him to spend all of his money to beat Bernie. That you know. Yeah, and also <laughs> and like, it was because it was such a fucking expert on how to be a moderate who wins. Yeah, Claire McCaskill is really somebody who we need to listen to about electability. Yeah, like she knows better than anybody. Yeah, but but again, this thing has nothing to do with results. It has nothing to do with objective reality. It's all this just um, I mean narcissism, and not the kind of Twitter narcissism, but like the narcissism of genuinely believing that you know better than objective reality. But I have more followers. (laughs) Even to Claire McCaskill. Who exists basically in like a in a timeline where she can go from public office to MSNBC anchor, you know, probably back to public office somewhere. No, you know, nothing matters to her because the rest of her life is just lined up in front of her until she yeah. fucking dies. And there, there's nothing in the rest of her life that could trouble her. What, what fucking healthcare? Why would right. she give a shit about healthcare? 
So you could pay in cash for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's actually, I, I wanted to go back to what um, the Carvel quote you mentioned, where he said, thinking you can expand the electorate as a way to win a general election right. is like not believing in climate change. Because I actually said something um, closely related to that recently. I had a similar thought, which is that, you know, in all of this talk about pragmatism and getting things done and electability and the politics of the possible or the art of the possible, politics is the art of the possible. Right. Um, that idea of pragmatism is essentially an argument to work within the uh, constructed and therefore inherently somewhat arbitrary uh, political and economic conditions of the society you live in. Oh, yeah. Even to the extent that those are in conflict with the objective, not arbitrary, external pressures of, like, ecological collapse, right? Like, you can't, like, taking how elections are won and comparing it to actual natural physical law, and ironically, when changing how elections are won is the only way to bring our politics into accordance with objective natural law. Right. Right. Like, like what's really pragmatic here thinking that you can compromise with the Senate or uh, that you, that you can't like change how politics is done in the Senate, but you can somehow ignore the relationship between atmospheric CO2 and temperature. Right. Or ocean acidification. Right. Right. Like one of those is inflexible. It's, you know, it's physics, it's chemistry, it's biology. Yeah. Right. Right. It is outside of human social political construction. We have influence on it because of our material actions. But, right. But we don't control the, the physical relationships. Right. They, right. They, we act within them. And there are people who think we should subordinate, you know, the 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 ecology that we depend on to live to our political systems even when they are broken and ridiculous and that's yeah, part and of it. yeah oh yeah oh yeah right exactly and it's the opposite They're... of pragmatism it's the opposite of realism it well, is pure yeah, idealism like you said, it's, yeah. it's pure Earlier, ideology just it all jizzic, you know <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's ideology you know like centrist pragmatism is is all about making sure um ev everything that happens is able to fit inside their their box it's kind of an oxymoron it's, it's not it? yeah it is it's exactly it is but pragmatism to them only means things that are achievable through their standards right because the yeah well and, and of course it's especially ironic because um even looking at you know, specifically human political systems and how we got to where we are. These things are constantly changing. They're, they're <laughs> even over like the medium term, this stuff is not fixed. Right. No. <laughs> like, like, um, uh, as much as the U S constitutional order is stagnant and brittle and rigid, it is nonetheless like radically different than it was even a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. So this idea that, we can't possibly change the makeup of the electorate uh, 
just as much as we can't change the relationship between carbon and temperature is... I mean, it just tells yeah. you everything you need to know about that worldview, right? Because these are people who are not in con um, conversation with the material world. They're not. No. They're, not. They're so sheltered by their wealth, by their connections, by their peer group, um, that they never interact with things that really exist without layers and yeah. layers of mediation, technological, well, ideological, yeah, that's, that's social mediation. It's because they don't have to, because they're insulated by so many layers of, you know, I privilege. I don't, I hate, I hate to say it, but no, they're, but yeah, they're, they're insulated by more, by more privilege than any, any of us will ever experience. Yeah. yeah. And so to, to kind of rip down the walls that they are, you know, to, to break the glass that they see everything through is, uh, is impossible. As far as I'm concerned, is impossible through electoralism alone. Well, yeah, I agree. You're going to have to break some actual glass. Yeah, right. Like in their homes, right? Drag them. Out, drag them <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Do it's time to know. break those glass yeah. things. I'm. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Like my other podcast appearance on Girls Chat, where I got extremely drunk and made a bunch of death threats. I'm going to keep the death threats. On <laughs> the, uh, I'm gonna keep those buttoned up today. Listen, I'm so this is okay. Exactly, you can't get banned off Twitter for those. Yeah, this is this is exactly what you do. You go to their house with some parodies, and you throw <laughs> some non-actionables through their windows. Right. Um. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No. I think I think the last time I did a podcast, I um made some questionable statements about Reed Hastings and Eli Bro. <laughs> Because yeah. I live here in Los Angeles, and they're <laughs> yeah. throwing their billions at the destruction of public education and unions. Um, going to buy a yeah. parody well, and fill it with I, some non-actionables. Yeah, yeah. I, was gonna, I, I heard a really um, I was going to buy a California legal parody <laughs> and right. get, it, get it chambered in um, non-actionable millimeter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard a really depressing pod episode a while back about the state of education and in LA. It's grim. It's pretty grim. It's like when I, uh, I went to New Orleans like two years ago in, um, in November. And I just like the, the hell that charter schools has wrought on that city. Oh yeah. Refining. Well, and, um, you know, I have a good friend from my labor days who, uh, works for AFT, American Federation of Teachers, and uh, uh, for our, for our I'm normal listeners, which I'm sure, I mean, A, don't yet exist. They're purely speculative. Yes. Even, <laughs> okay. even if they do, there will be three of them. But, all right. Um, <laughs> shout out to the teacher listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get shout outs to the teachers. But, yeah, so he's always here for elections and stuff. And, I mean, if it weren't for the fact that there were, like, multiple special elections that involved a uh, major corruption scandal and people having to quit and being indicted on the school board on the pro charge right. side. Right. Um, LA would already be like just completely eviscerated. We just got lucky that some of those people were illegal, were, were doing illegal shit and dumb enough to get caught. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that was just enough to maintain like a uh, deadlock. Um, yeah, so, that that is the status quo. Is right. the the eternal battle between private and public schooling? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's 
It's grim. I would just, God, I, I really, oh, another, I feel, I feel like, of course, I mean, you should have seen this coming, asking me to be on the podcast, but I'm talking about myself a lot. Yeah, let's um, go, dude. It's yeah, Sam Pritchard. I would not expect anything less. Sam Pritchard. I have the most followers of the three of us. That means um, <laughs> I to fully indulge my narcissism. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, um, what's that? We, we're, we're, we're at this, right? Oh, yeah. You cut uh, out a bit, what? Yeah, you cut I out a bit. Oh. Alright. Thanks. I am gonna quit. <laughs> Sam Pritchard stop smoking challenge. It's just hard. Quitting sm- quitting smoking is uh I mean I, you know, I'm I'm really breaking the mold by saying quitting smoking is hard. <laughs> Hot take here, but uh, Yeah, that, that, you... that that should be kinda hard Wait, though. <laughs> Nicotine's a Wait, little addictive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Bye. I was I was just grabbing a cigarette from my dad. Um yeah. uh cuz I wanted to smoke and go outside. Is the uh, noise level okay? Let oh, me it's know. Fine. I can totally go fine. I can go in the backyard. Sounds fine. Right. Wow, two so, yards, uh, Mr. Money Pants over here. <laughs> backyard. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's that in LA in this economy, a backyard. It is, I mean, yeah, seriously, actually. Yeah, right. That's not really even no. irony. Um, but that's the benefit of living at home and as a 30-year-old. Um, yeah, that's the one thing you get, yeah. Yeah, you get the backyard. Yeah, my wife uh, was hospitalized a couple of years ago. And my wife? Had, uh, my, yes. I don't know that was the best time. Yeah, man. <laughs> I know, that was... <laughs> I'm glad you did, though. <laughs> but uh, she, um, we had to move in with my parents later that year, and that was the good thing that came out of it was being out in the country a little bit. Yeah, where are you? Uh, I'm in Tallahassee. Okay, yeah, please. I mean, um, let's get the address, the street address. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm gonna write Video down box. my exact address. DM me a social awkward to you, Sam. Yeah. yeah, just dox yourself on the podcast. Yeah, but uh, if you're real, my, my my parents live on a lake around oh. the area. And, uh, they built the house way out there in the, uh, in like, you know, the, the, the 60s and 70s. So it's, it's been cheap. Yeah. It, I mean, it was uh, cheap it was when they built the house. The yeah, pretty much. They were, they were giving away the land. And, um, now, now at this point, you know, that's, that's what they're left with. But at least it's a nice place for me to go. Yeah. You know, should we need to? Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, in Southern California, there's there's people who, you know, bought homes on the west side and stuff, and as, as they like to say in the venture capital community here, it's like 10x their really. Prop- oh yeah, I mean, there's people who literally bought their homes for like some hundred thousand. They're worth a million plus. It's crazy. Wow, um, holy shit! <laughs> I know. Like, um, I was talking with my ex because she's, uh, you know, thinking about maybe trying to buy, and um. So she's a millennial with a good job, with no student debt, because she's wow. like a hard, hardworking person who did things the right way. Um, Couldn't be me. No, God, yeah, no. are you are you kidding? Um, the, it was a classic fail son, success daughter relationship. Uh, yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, she grew up 
you know, very working class with limited opportunities, you know, went straight to UCLA, scholarships, no student debt. Um, wow. Must be nice. You know, got a good got a good job. And I'm like all the opportunity in the world and student debt and somehow didn't even graduate. But, yeah, same. Um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I had a scholarship coming out of high school, and the, the most the most I got done was like, well, like four semesters maybe. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and so, then I I just yeah totally lost it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's looking at the place and she's like, you know, this seems maybe doable, and it's like four hundred eighty grand. <laughs> yeah, right? like, like oh, uh, oh, go for, for it. A, yeah, for an apartment, right? Not not a house. That would be of course, no. Yeah, no. I mean, um. So that's that's what it's like here. I mean, it's no wonder um, housing and the homelessness crisis. I mean, I don't. So you're in Tallahassee. I don't know where you are, Chase, but Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I mean, L.A. obviously is. I mean, it's a bit more expensive, but well, and it's full on. Sorry to bother you. Like in terms of the taxes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, but I, my um, sister, who's only oh, oh yeah, she's only like six years older than me and she went to grad school and college and she's in so much debt I legitimately don't know if she's ever going to be able to like purchase a home. Yeah, unless there's student loan forgiveness. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm a, I've been me telling, too. Yeah, I've been telling my parents. I don't think I'm going to be able to come out of college yeah, <laughs> with like I, opportunities. I, I, I've been trying so hard to get my parents to see the light and um, you know, they, they're Democrats but for some reason the uh they don't really grasp the gravity of the situation right now. But I've told them, like, if Bernie wins and the shit gets done, I'm going to go back to school. Right. Like, there'll be no reason not to. Like, if they'll have <laughs> me, I'll go back. Right. I won't pay. I'll pay less for health health insurance. There's no debt. I'll get paid more minimum wage. Like, fuck, I'll go back to school. Just vote. If you want me to go back to school, vote for fucking Bernie. <laughs> yeah. Who was it on Twitter recently posted something like, for when you're having those conversations with your parents, be like, do you want grandchildren? Because right now, <laughs> yeah, that's the debt I have, that's not going to no. happen. But if you vote yeah, for Bernie, that's... you might get some grandkids. So Yeah, I mean, all, all I won't say everything, but the reason my wife, I mean, my wife and I have been married for 10 years, and I'm 29 years old, so you right. figure we, we have kids by now. But, right. you know, with how, with how my family's health is, with how her family's health is, and the bleak outlook for health care, and as far as the climate goes, you know, I, but by the time they would get to be my age, it's impossible to predict how live, how habitable the world would be. Oh, especially you're in Florida. Like, yeah. No, exactly. So that there's, there's no reason. It'll just be a malarial swamp. Yeah. Yeah. When, when life would be so much measurably worse for them, why would I do that? Right. Exactly. Like you have to have some kind of at least plausible path to imagine. Um, right. It doesn't. Even if it's not guaranteed, if it's guaranteed hopelessness, well, uh, that rules it out. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you need a, you need at least some kind of realistic, believable. Like, here's a way this could work out. And you need a benchmark. Yeah. Result in their human flourishing, but right. you don't see that at all. Right. Yeah. Um, I have an idea. There's a small caveat. You do need to be a billionaire, but have you considered Mars? <laughs> <laughs> right. Earth <laughs> two. I'm torn between um, letting them all go to Mars and just, like, immediately... I hope go Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk just get stuck there. Yeah, like, they'll go. <laughs> None of them are able to actually do real work. They'll starve within yeah. six months. Oh, yeah. Right? But on the other hand, on, like, the off chance that they have, you know, 
they're able to like bring some slaves with them or <laughs> robots yeah, yeah. or something. Like I just don't want to run the infinitesimal chance that they could make it work and get out of it. Yeah. Like if we're all going down, those fuckers have to go down too. Shoot um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk out of a cannon into the sun. Call that yeah. capital flight. <laughs> um, did y'all hear what uh, Joy Reid said as well? I don't miss, have you seen these videos? Yeah, it seems like she's she, kind of... She uh, saw the writing on the wall, dude. She does. Was she the does. one with the big sigh? No, no. no. She, she said that they, she said they, or we, have underestimated the rage of young working class people. And yeah, I, the it, most it, exciting it sentence appear, I've ever heard. It would appear that they have. Yeah, she she said that in uh in her history of being in politics, which goes back to like Clinton, she said the hungriest group of voters is the one who wins. And she said, "quote No one else is as hungry, angry, enraged, and determined as Sanders voters." That's Joy Fucking Reed saying that. Yeah. I mean, she's she's right. Yeah, she's exactly right. She also said. Uh, the establishment needs to figure out what the hell they're going to do about it. So she's yeah. horrified, but well, yeah, yeah, she's like we have obviously. to respond somehow. But at least yeah, we have to do something. Yeah, but, but like she's a, it's just abhorrent the way she says that because it seems like she knows that Sanders is the best for the working class, or at least somewhere in the back of her mind, she realized that this is what the people want, and she still wants to subvert that. Yeah, of well, course she knows. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the perennial problem is rich people are so much more aware of their class solidarity than working class people as yeah. a rule, right? right? Like, it doesn't take, it doesn't even take all of us, it just takes most of us yeah. to come into class consciousness and and then it becomes unstoppable because um, there's, you know, so many more of us and we control labor. Not to yeah. get all just uh, boring classic Marxists, but no, it's yeah, true. It was, yeah. And, uh, it's like I was uh, I was watching Hassan last night, and he showed Kendrick Sampson's speech at Bernie's rally in El Paso. Right. I don't know if you saw that. And he uh, he had the crowd he had the crowd literally chanting, "We have nothing to lose but our chains." <laughs> and I was like, "Let's fucking go, dude!" So, I mean, they you know they go mask off, we go mask off. Right, he's so excited. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I expected I expected to have a good bit of brain damage after yesterday, but uh, I I left feeling fucking blissed out. Yeah, no, I feel um, it was great. Surprisingly, like, it was, surprisingly hopeful, which is yeah. uh, I'm doing everything I can to squelch that impulse. But right. <laughs> in spite of my in spite of my best efforts and my better judgment, uh, I won't be happy until I have no debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did y'all, uh, did you, did you see this shit that Warren, uh, uh, is getting into a little bit? This is, this is only on Twitter. This is a very only on Twitter argument. But apparently one of her hired organizers, like, faked a barbershop or, like, staged a barbershop. I yes. saw it. That oh shit my is god. fucking hilarious. That's me amazing. and my rugged barbershop. Yeah. No, the With photos. the barber in, like, a button down on that side. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the one where the guy's sitting on the couch and there's just a bunch of fucking Blu-ray sleeves, like, glued <laughs> to the wall? Did you see that? Yes. There's a flag, of th there's a Spider-Man poster, and then right under it, there's a fucking Blu-ray sleeve of Peter Rabbit. It's such a good wall. descriptor of just how fake she and her campaign is. Yeah, it's like, if that, if that's what you think a black barbershop, you know, if... <laughs> 
if you go into like a fucking WeWork office and glue a Blu-ray sleeve of Peter fucking Rabbit on the wall, and, it and totally that's is your a apartment. campaign office. Like I know what. Oh no, doubt about like. it. Yeah, that is that is what a field campaign office looks like. No doubt about it. That's absolutely there's, what they did. There's no mirrors in the entire building. No mirrors. No counter. No. no. Like, like, where does the guy keep his? No. Uh, like, where does he, where does he keep his shears? And yeah. the, the guy is sitting. The guy getting his haircut, who is totally shaved head, by the way. Which is <laughs> the, the chair. The chair is sitting in the middle of the fucking room. And there's like couches and there's sitting around chair. it, staring at him. There's one barber chair. Like that. That was a. It was like a fever dream. That was. A, that was. It was weird. Just weird. Really and then the guy. That was beautiful. Then the guy's like, I can't believe I'm getting. Uh, I can't believe people don't believe that I was in my. I went all to all these barber shops, and he he gave a quote to that somebody said. Uh, somebody said, "Quote, yo, your girl, bro. That's that heat we need for Trump." <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a totally normal thing someone would really say. No one without a fucking that. gun had held to their head. <laughs> no one on earth has ever said that. <laughs> that shit was so bizarre, man. <laughs> oh god, yeah, man. See the uh, the the uh, thread that Nicole Najafi wrote. I yeah uh, about um. I don't know. I can't remember people's names without looking at their avatar. But yeah. <laughs> she she wrote. She wrote a thread from the hypothetical of dating every one of the presidential Oh, candidates. my God. Oh, yes. That was incredible. That was that one was, of the you know brain damage things. Wait, are you I talking about the one? I have to respect it, though, because it's <laughs> so demented. I just realized yeah. that there are two articles like that, where somebody pretended to date the candidate supporters, and then somebody pretended to date the candidates. Which one are you talking about? This is the candidates themselves, yeah. Yeah, I yeah yeah. Um, she wrote, she dunked on wrote most of them, which was kind of funny. Yeah, except Klobuchar like for some reason. But yeah, that was the one that was really weird to me. Is that I guess she's a Klobuchar fan. I don't. I mean, it became apparent after that. But it's like Sadie Doyle, who I know you fought with Sam when she posted about her dad yeah. throwing a pot roast on the wall, and yeah. so that that means Bernie is doing violence. It's like um, you know. People have Stop silencing women, Sam. <laughs> well, you know the thing is too is like I've I've um, compared to most people on the left, like I've been generally pretty cordial with her, and like I've even defended her at times from people being uh, unfair. I think in dunking on her, like just because someone is wrong a lot doesn't mean they're wrong literally <laughs> every time. Right, and you know they can still be right in instances when people are being unfair to them. But uh, like, I don't, I don't hate her like a lot of people hate her. Uh, but it's that thing of a sort of reversing the dictum that the the personal is political, which is true. The personal is political. There right. is no, there's no outside of politics that the division of this private domestic sphere that's supposed to be apolitical from a limited public sphere is meant it's meant to cage us and limit our political imagination and limit what we think we're capable of of changing yeah. right yeah and th that's been eroded since the industrial revolution yeah yeah the um, idea so, that that exists is... but then like that thread from sadie and the the dating the candidates thing it's like a reversal of that where they say the political is personal psychology and it's like no 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 <laughs> like instead of bringing personal experience into the realm of being collectively 
betterable through right. political action. It's like, let's depoliticize the political and make it all about our personal psychological dysfunctions. Right. Um, it's like, you can kind of see the, 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 um, intellectual lineage there, right. Of how, how something got turned around and made into a depoliticizing liberal individualistic atomizing, uh, psychologizing tendency. Right. But, but it's, uh, I mean, it's just patently ridiculous. Yeah. It, um, the candidates are not your dad. They're not your mom. No. They're not your partner. I wish Bernie uh, was my dad. <laughs> you know, well, it's, my, it's, my dad, it's, my dad's an anarchist, so I'm, hell, I'm, fuck be, yeah, I, dude. I'm better That's off. That's so cool. Those. My dad's voting for Joe Biden. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, but you know, we still are. I, I wish I was about that. The Soviets. I wish I was so blissfully unaware. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. Oh, is he a tanky? No, I am. Oh. He's an anarchist. Like, Why he's, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's, I uh, just woke up. Stop yelling at me. We're always, <laughs> Kronstadt is, is the, the topic of discussion in this house. Holodomor, what? <laughs> right. There's do, no I, proof. I do constantly argue with my parents about Stalin. It happens a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there was a post because uh, he did nothing wrong. It goes without saying. Of course, right. I'm just not going to comment. <laughs> You're already logging off Twitter. I won. <laughs> the post where where somebody said what what's happening is that everybody is projecting their own trauma onto public servants. Right. It's weird. It's just like the people, it's, you know, they view it as a reality show. Yeah. Or, well, I don't even know. It's like a confessional. It's like a confessional essay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't quite know what to make of that tendency. You know, maybe I think for some people, sure. It grows out of, again, that kind of, like we were talking about with Carvel, where they're not engaged with material reality. Right. Right. There, there's so many layers of mediation uh, between them and things that exist in the real world. And, but I think for some people, it's it's uh, it's a learned helplessness, right? It's sure. a it's just being like being completely beaten down and rendered um, uh, hopeless outside of you know the sort of self help mentality of that that personal psychologizing right yeah like, yeah like mm -hmm. so they make what happened with sadie is that one of the one of the layers of insulation was torn off by this maybe re relived trauma of you know being having an abusive dad right so which, that, now, now that she's faced with the reality that that's not the only thing that you know like like your trauma alone can't humanize you if the rest of your personality is so garbage so now <laughs> she's being you know, and, uh, faced with that. Yeah, and you just can't use it as a way to um, interpret everything outside of yourself, no. right? Like, your own... Uh, like, um, you know, I didn't like when people were kind of suggesting she was lying about that experience or making fun no, of her. Yeah, for, no, like, it's, it's, like, it's awful that it happened, for sure. Yeah, I think right. you have to preface any criticism with the fact that you don't want to, you know, silence any victim voices. Oh, yeah, but right. just bring up the fact that her bringing it up really isn't appropriate. Yeah, and it's like, you know what? There are people who genuinely um, 
you know, maybe do have like traumatic experiences that for, it's entirely conceivable that someone would see the way tonally or in, in affect Bernie communicates and be like, have a visceral sort of, um, um, uh, conditioned response to that that's negative and that's fine but that doesn't make it a moral dictate right like it makes me uncomfortable totally fine whatever that's not nobody can like right it's not you know you don't control that uh response and it's not right or wrong but you can't take that that personal response and turn it into a universal uh moral imperative right just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean it's actually wrong Right. It's, it's, it's a similar but, but different argument than when uh, the hashtag MeToo shit was co-opted by people who have been harassed by Bernie Bros, quote Bernie Bros. Right. And it's like – That was gross. It's and really – it's not the same thing. It's not. It's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, a similar, it's a similar issue, but it's um, – yeah, it's, it's its own separate thing. I can, I can understand the, like, conflation there. And, I mean, you know um, – but also, it, it's a little funny in this it, the when people talk about oh this is like a trigger for me or so on, and it's like yes, but part of what makes PTSD a problem for getting through life, and what makes it like a symptom of a mental illness, is Literally. that it is an, an inappropriate response that is not adaptive. Right. right, it's a maladaptive, right. learned exactly. response, yeah. and so and so like taking that maladaptive response and like lionizing it into this is how we should objectively all respond. It's like, well, no, that's not even how you should be responding. Right. The fact that you are responding that way is not your fault, and yeah. it's okay. But there were people psycholo- psychological paradigm. It's not helpful for you right. or anyone. There were people in Sadie's mentions specifically saying, hey, you may want to, you know, go speak to a therapist about this. And, you know, she took it as a as an insult. But Wait, it's really does. not. To, it's not. She needs help, man. Yeah. If, if, if you equate those two things, it's because the one thing is bothering you so much, which is understandable. Right. Like, but, I had, you know, I, I, I got um, uh, I never got officially diagnosed with. PTSD, but after I was stabbed in an attempted murder by someone experiencing a psychotic break, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely had some PTSD-like symptoms for a while, and still get a little uncomfortable um, when someone's behavior is, like, reminiscent of the person right. who's like, you right. left me alone in the womb of time, and you're giving me cancer, and I need to kill you, you have to let me kill you. Like, I think, I think, Understandably, I get a little uncomfortable when something yeah. reminds oh, yeah, me no of that. <laughs> Just a shame how often people say that. They do. Yeah. They, 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 more and more people are saying about this. the womb of time. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is, just because I have that response to someone, it doesn't mean it's like I, you know, I specifically take effort to be like, no, it's not okay to just like feel uncomfortable because someone is displaying symptoms of psychotic illness right Right. that's my experience and my trauma but it is inappropriate for myself and unfair to them to project that personal experience onto this completely different person in this completely different scenario like that's the so so again it's not even invalidating 
the experience of trauma or how trauma can condition you to respond inappropriately to the world around you to be like, this should not be our guide for how to interact with the world. We shouldn't just accept it and say, oh, it's okay to keep having this maladaptive response and just completely give into it and, in fact, lionize it as the most correct response because it is the most traumatized. Right. right. I don't know if I'm even expressing that as well as I could, but, uh, you know. I, I think you I got that point across. I got what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll say before we get too much further into triggers, <laughs> we'll probably, uh, I think we'll just call it there. Okay, yeah. 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 Go and you know, cook out. Well, yeah, I do. And I also, you know, I wanted to make, so the title of this episode is going to be That Which Happened in Vegas Lay There. Okay. Because that, that, that was Pete's, uh, botched attempt to say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas in Norwegian. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. So that, right. that'll be the title. But yeah, thanks a lot for coming by, you guys. I, you know, we did the Nevada rundown as episode one of, of this, I guess. I, um, yeah, uh, anyway, thanks for, Thanks for stopping Thanks. by. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, this yeah. was fun.